What up, what up, what up? What's poppin', goalies of the Between Two Posts podcast and our listeners? Uh, what's going on, guys? Kyle, Everett, the huge. Uh, what's new? Kyle, let's start it off, man. You had a hot take last week. What uh, What do you got to say after some uh, recent news has popped up? Oh, I don't think I'm going to actually apologize. Oh. Yeah. Wow, so you're I, just you're gonna stick stick with what you said. I'll I'll play the villain a little bit longer. I think um could it could just spend a little, you know, little what's the word here? To distraction. You know, I think um they want they want you to believe something and obviously Do you think it's a cover? Yeah. Smoke screen, that's the word I was looking for. It's a little smoke screen. Man, do you just have like a Boston Bruins like plush doll that you stab well, at night? Like I, I one, I hate them. I hope, I hope, I really hope the Lightning can beat them because I, I despise the Bruins. But, um, you know what? We're in a series with them right now, so I, I think there's too many uh, hoorah, hooray rumors right now going the Bruins way. Let's let's get some negative like feel to the Bruins. You know, let's get people doubting them. We we should be doubting the Bruins right now. Their number one goaltender just left them. See ya. See you later. Bye. He's not coming back. Um, their team, you know, how you should they show up in the bubble? I think they went 0 4. That's not very impressive. I mean, at, at what point they won one series? They're gonna they're gonna tank. I'm not worried. Okay. Um, that's an interesting take. Boston leads that series one nothing. The rumor now is coming out that possibly Rask has one more year on his deal. Vladar just got signed to three. I mean, looking to the future, Boston's goaltending situation is rather interesting, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Dan is anywhere near being uh, an NHL goaltender. and. Okay. I mean, I guess Halak has proven that he can be a starter, but I mean, it's a he, still a huge loss. I mean, Tuco has his numbers have been near the top of the league over the last I don't know six years probably. So it's an interesting situation. Give me your take on what you think is going to happen though after his next season is done. I why well, in my mind. The Bruins want to re-sign him. It's just up to him. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he bails on him again. And uh, I, I don't think Bruin fans would be too happy. But at the same time, like, I don't see a scenario where the Bruins wouldn't want to re-sign him. Okay. I, I appreciate the take. Now, skipping through the league, let's run through playoffs real quick. Oh, Vegas. but wait, wait, oh. wait. Oh, N- another quick oh. question. Uh-huh. This could change it. Obviously, with Halak's play, is he eligible for the expansion draft? Because you got to think that he might be taken in that. I I think, I mean, from a number two spot, yeah, he's it, there's there is the possibility he could be a solid number two, but there's just so many other good goalies. Oh, not number two, number one. No, there's too many other good goalies that you could possibly take as a number one. Depending on who gets protected and the way things shake I mean, down. okay, but the way it's shaken down now, 
Montreal is going to resign Price. That's a no-brainer. If they you don't, think? then why wouldn't they? <laughs> Who do they? They Montreal is nothing without him. Uh, um, okay. I think. I think uh, Vegas is probably the most interesting scenario right now because obviously, oh, the tweet. How can we not Let's, talk about yep. the tweet? I, well, that was I wanted to go through a, a Stanley Cup playoff rundown of who we have right now. So, getting in the Vegas Vancouver series, Vegas is up one nothing. Like your thoughts? Like I commented on somebody's post and I just said, like, not Isn't it to two, them. It's two nothing now, right? Yeah. Or no? Or is it just one nothing? I think That's it's just one. It's just one. Um, okay. But somebody had posted it, and I didn't. I said my comment in all caps was "relax," and this wasn't directed at the poster. It was directed at the fact that this was done up. Someone like that agent had contacted an artist such as yourself. To oh, put oh yeah, they cartoon, put some time into that drawing, political cartoon, and it was just so like over the top. Like this is still a series, and I get it. Agents have to look out for their players, but at the end of the day, a Stanley Cup win does so much more for not only your client but the team and everything else that things will go well for the future re-signings um how other teams look at them and you want to put something so negative so selfish out like that like i was like what are you thinking dude go home yeah not only that but like flurry is probably one of the like best teammates in the league like i think he's just happy that he's winning like when he came out in his press release and said like He's just happy to be there and like wants the team to win. Like I, he probably like from the bottom of his heart means that he's such a good teammate. We saw with Matt Murray in Pittsburgh and like the guy's been in the league 20 years. N- no one has a bad thing to say about him. Like I, I don't think flurry had any part in that. So no, I just, it just looks so bad from everybody's standpoint of the way they look at, cause some people will look at flower a little differently just because they don't have maybe an understanding of the situation. And I'm not talking just fans. I'm talking people across the board. So it's like, why would you put your why would you put your client in such a bad light? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now we're looking at it, and and I'm a little more. I mean, I thought for sure it was like going to be 100% done deal. They protect Flurry, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think he's the better goalie there, but it's, I mean, the board does seem to favor Leonard. And I don't know where the GMs are at in it, but at the end of the day, one of them's probably going to get taken. Yep. Or they have to move one. I, well, and Robin's on like, the one year, right? Uh, I think, he, yeah, but it was from whatever he signed in Chicago, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But even with that, it doesn't matter what your deal is. You can get taken in the draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Uh, the uncertainty I mean, here is is really exciting. I like it to be honest. It's spicy. Well, back to I mean that's basically we know one one of those guys is gonna get taken in the draft if there's not a trade done before that. Mm-hmm. Outside of Flurry or Laner, I think the next big name that everyone's talking about is Holpe. I think he's out the door either way. Um, he just are you a Holpe guy? You like him? No. Really? I, Why not? I, I mean, I think I don't think he really how do I don't know how to phrase this the, the right way, but I think there are a lot of better goalies out there. 
I think he, he definitely had a clutch performance in 2018. Like he definitely like did his part of the bargain to win that cup. But I think there are quite a bit of goalies that you could have put on that team and they could have gotten the job done. So, um, I think, you know, like, like I'll say this, like the, the blues winning, I think Bennington like carried them in a lot of games, Mm -hmm. stole some games. Flurry, he he definitely made a bunch of big saves. I mean, the one highlight reel save that ends up winning on the series, he definitely made some saves. But I think, you know, overall, you look at his career. To me, you know, I think the the small glimpse we've seen of Samsonov looks a lot better. Hmm. My take on it is Holpe's brought a lot of style to the game. Great hair, great beard. He does the cool warm-up, like, yoga pose thing. Plays he the guitar. The, plays the guitar. Um, huge, like, social advocate for a lot of different things. Like, isn't afraid to speak his opinion. Not on social media, but, like, actually getting out and doing stuff. He does the water bottle thing, the pant lace. Like, the guy's just, he's brought a little bit of swagger to goaltending. You know what I mean? And I, I don't yeah. think it really gets seriously looked at. But, in other news, going on to the next series that I am looking at, Anton Hadobin. Coming out of nowhere. Hot. He's hot. Kid, guy's hot right now. Like He's obviously, for the little bit of spotlight he ever gets between Dallas or the NHL, guy's hilarious, right? Yeah. Um, he's a great guy to deal with. Uh, loves playing the game. Loves having fun with it. But, you know, playing uh, playing against uh, Colorado, a hot Colorado team, a young team. I thought, I thought Colorado was going to steamroll the stars. And, man, I mean, Kudobin... Last last night, what was it? I think he had like 40 shots or something. Yeah, 40 shots. No big deal. 5-2 win. Not a problem for him. He's just having nope. fun. And I got to think he's the type of guy that once he starts feeling the puck more, he like he just gets in his zone. You know what I mean? Well, I also, I don't know if you saw the uh, the picture of them like messing around in the bobble on like the football field. No, They're I did not. Playing soccer. Oh. Dude, he's, he does he does not look like he's in hockey shape. But <laughs> every I felt bad for him. every single comment on like the NHL's post was like he's about him, dad yeah. bod, huge dad bod. And then Sagan commented something of like first workout of the season or something. But oh no, <laughs> yeah, he, um, but you know what though, I guarantee he's the guy that like they know can like. It's funny to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're so, a lot of players are probably going to take that pretty seriously as most would, but I got a good feeling that he's a good sport about it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And if you're performing on the ice, like same thing with Ovi. He's definitely not a cut guy. Like he's got some, some LBs on him, but sometimes that helps you play the game. Hockey's obviously a physical game. There's puck battles and goaltending. You get pushed around a little bit and you got to hold your ground. So, um, Sometimes it's not a bad thing to have a little extra weight. Hey, baby, that's how I got it done for 27 years. So there's a, there's a limit, though. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I'm probably way past that. Lastly, we got uh, the Islanders in Philly. Islanders are up with one game. We got our boy backstop in the uh, the aisle to uh, a nice little series here. Greiser was on the pod. Beauty of a human. Hopefully we yeah. can uh, we can see those guys take a little run here too. Yeah, they're they're a scary team. I would not want to play the New York Islanders right now. 
they're so defensive. Like it's I watched the game the other night. It's so boring to watch. It's so like they don't take chances. They don't um like they're just back at all times and then they'll they just wait for you to make that one mistake where you bite and then they'll go and they get one and you can't you can't score on them. Like yeah, it, the whole game was one nothing until I think like the third period. And Carter Hart played a good game, but I mean, you can't. It's gonna be hard to score goals on them. They're just, I mean, that's Barry Trotz. At the end of the day, you're playing to win what a championship, right? So exactly. what do you got to do? You got to do it anyway. You know how. Yeah, I think if the Lightning get out of the Bruins series, uh, and if New York wins, I think the Islanders would sweep the lightning. They're just so like polar opposite playing styles, but seriously, just cause the, the lightning are, I, the lightning are the best running gun team in the NHL. They're oh, okay. Best, like, I think that's a fact. We have an elite offense, very weak defense, um, and a hot goalie. So that works regular season. Obviously, you know, we can, I think the last la- last year we were first place. This year we were second place. So playoffs come, and it's a whole different story. If if you don't play defense, you don't win games. So, yep, you got to support on the back end there. Now, next on my list of news that we got to talk about, I'm actually I'm pretty fired up this week, man. Uh, the news that you we discussed earlier, like just a touch, but the North American Hockey League coming out and saying, I mean, there's rumors flying left and right, but. Uh, it sounds well. Corpus Christi came out with a release due to the safety of billets, players, the staff, everything top to bottom, which yeah. I really liked. Because my big concern is, is I, I, I want to see the kids play, but I don't have a lot of faith in kids being safe. I think it's very apparent based on what eighteen, nineteen, and twenty-year-olds and twenty-one-year-olds are doing at college. You know, cases are skyrocketing once kids get on the campus and they're yeah. getting booted back home. But like to bring guys in to bring a team in and bring in a bunch of 16 17 18 year olds 19 maybe some 20 bombs into a city they're living with billets they're going in and out they're seeing all their friends they're doing what they want to do they're doing stuff that normal kids want to do especially after being cooped up a lot of the summer and then you're going to have them in a billet billets got family you're going to have them in and out of the room with staff i don't think there's a right way to set up a bubble to keep things locked down and i like the way corpus christi handled it they think, you know, for the safety of everybody, they're just going to shut it down this year. The NA is still going to play, but there's rumors on some other teams that might pop out. I don't know what you've heard. Maybe Kansas City might be out. The Alaska teams might have to move from Alaska and play completely in the Midwest within the Minnesota region, build it out of Minnesota. I know in the U show, Illinois is pretty much shutting down team sports. There was a tornado that went through the, uh, was it Cedar Rapids rink? Like things are a mess oh, yeah. right now in junior hockey. So the big issue I've seen that nobody has really talked too much about is let's say you even play the season and you keep it as safe as possible. Colleges have not really decided what they're doing yet. And there's been talks about maybe giving guys another year of eligibility or like playing again. I don't think there's going to be like openings for guys to go in. Yep. Like there, it's, there's going to be a backup all the way all the way down to to from college to junior to prep school to U18s like there's not like part of being able to move up is guys moving on 
So if if college has the same amount of guys, you can put up a hundred points in the null. There's not going to be any points or, or, or spots to play. Yep. Where are you going to go? One hundred percent right with you there, man. It's uh, it's just such an interesting situation, and I feel bad for all these birth years because it just kind of it 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 really oversaturates the market where. I think at the end of the day, kids, it really just affects kids from junior moving on to college because those kids aren't moving out of those spots because the younger kids will be able to move to juniors because juniors has to age out, right? So eventually yeah. those spots will open up. You'll, you'll get some maybe like 19-year-old kids that might have been able to move on to D1 and start playing right away, sticking around. But overall, that kind of happens year to year. You get that carryover where you get overagers that'll hang. But, but there will probably be a uh, next year. There's going to be a lot of overagers. There has to be because like an unbearable no, amount. You think? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then those leagues are going to fill up, and now that's going to back up. Like guys aren't going to be able to go play. Like think about it this way. Let's say a guy who might have moved on to like a good D3 school from the Null, who's a 20 bomb, who could play one more year, but he's like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to go to you know. Wisconsin or like a D3 school out there, Stevens Point, something like that. Okay. He stays back. Are they going to take him who's been there for three years, who put up good points and had looks from schools? Or are they going to take a 16-year-old who weighs 150 pounds and just came from U18? So I think it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a little bit of a gong show, but uh, I mean, the issue is this is just life. This is life as we know it now. You know what I mean? I think there's, yeah, I, I don't even know what the solution is. I almost think they need to, this is a good time to maybe take a look at the junior college route system and make a lot of fixes because I think there's too many leagues. Every single league is watered down to some extent. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who play juniors who don't get to the level they wanted to, you know? So right. maybe regroup the leagues a little bit, cut down on some of the teams. I think there could be a lot of changes that would help. Okay. Now, Commissioner Kyle, what you're in office right now. What's the first move you make then? First thing is the, the biggest issue i see in junior hockey is tier three obviously if you look at the way like usa hockey is set up we have one tier one league the ushl that league is pretty bulletproof like there's not much wrong there they got it figured out there's only like there's not many teams so every single kid moves on to division one the null really not too many issues i mean you can joke all you want but at at the same time, like it's the only tier two league in the country and all their kids basically move on to either division one or division three. Like they get the schools Yep. in tier three hockey. It's a mess. You have like, I don't even know, probably like 10 leagues. Like some of them you don't even think about. They're just a joke. I mean, we have in tier three hockey, we have the EHL where the top players uh, go division three and then the bottom players don't go anywhere. And below that is the EHLP, which is in, in it's like tier six hockey. So, I mean, I, I love that guys want to play hockey, but like 
I think you got to be realistic. Like, why are you playing juniors if you have zero, ch- like not one kid goes from the EHLP to even a division three school. But so, at the same token here, Kyle, do you not want to give, if it's no cost to anybody except the players and they're choosing to pay to play, do you not want to give them a shot to continue to play hockey? The, and because a player that might be on that spectrum might play, you know, they might not make a D3 team, but if you give them more time to develop, maybe they could be a third or fourth line type guy on a okay Acha team, club hockey at school. So in like the grand scheme of things, if they're willing to pay, no one gets hurt, um, so, and they so can go play club I'm, hockey and get more time to develop, is that not worth it for them? Where I'm going with this is that Tier three is the last tier in according to USA Hockey. So the EHLP and the EHL are in the same section, along with the NA three, USPHL, like all this different NCDC, stuff. NCDC, so WS. You have to, yeah, you have to. I think group. There should be really maybe. One, I mean, in like a perfect two, world, two one tier three. No, there should be one tier three league, and then add a tier four and a tier five. Why not? Oh, because I see. I see. realistically, all these leagues aren't even. You can't tell me that the EHLP and the NCDC are like, that's not, I mean, NCDC has a couple D1 commits. So um, really, I think you got to combine some of the leagues. And, and another issue with it is because a big part of like recruiting, there's all these like recruiting websites, neutral zone and all this stuff. If you're trying to go, like you get a, you get ranked and, like a write-up well they rank according to what tier you're in so like on these websites a guy could have 60 goals in like the worst tier three league and he's going to be ranked higher than somebody who's playing in a more respectable tier three league who's maybe middle of the pack oh yeah i can see where that would lead to some discrepancies i never thought about it that way so I think it's it's just a mess. And like, well, that's the big issue. Like guys coming from, there's arguments all the time. Like would a school, I mean, it's confusing for players too because you don't know, it's such a hard decision. Like, oh, do I go play in the NA3 where I could, you know, do better, but not as probably many opportunities to get seen? Or do you go to the EHL where maybe you're not going to play as much, but you're in front of other schools and it's, they move more guys on to college. So like, it's just a awful setup in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, we could go on about that for hours, but I want to get on to our guest interview today. I've been working on this one for a while and Kyle, I know I put you through a little bit of uh, grief trying to get him, but John Muse, the moose guy played at BC couple old national championships, um, just tore it up all through his years in uh, playing it in the U.S., and now he has moved over to play for Kunlun in China. And he had a little bit of a gong show year, but we didn't really get into the whole COVID thing and what had happened. But we got into his traveling experience, which has been my dream to backpack. Like, I would love to, like, pack a bag and go to a couple of different places. One would be Europe and then, uh, obviously, Asia, and just really go out and see the world and see the culture and understand what other people have gone through and have that up close and very real touch with history. But uh, yeah, Muse had some incredible stories and I, I, 
my favorite was catching that fish and like getting to release it. And like, if you go to this guy's Instagram, John Muse, he, there's a photo of him catching. There's a video of him reeling it in. And then there's the video of him releasing that fish. And I just think it's incredible. Like what an awesome experience. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, just the fact that he, uh, he got kind of stuck up in, uh, Bali during the whole like COVID stuff. I mean, not a bad place to spend some time tough life eh? <laughs> yeah tough life um i mean pretty cool got some little bit of some russia stories in there getting uh stuck in a hotel in moscow and you know we'll we'll let him tell it but uh yeah cool interview always cool to hear from from guys who've traveled the world to play hockey once again tough life um so <laughs> we'll hear it from him let's send it over to john in the crease today Standing at a solid five foot and eleven inches, all the way from East Falmouth, Massachusetts, it's John Muse. Welcome to the pod, John. Thanks for having me. What's uh, what's life in America like again? Uh, honestly, I feel like it's been more of an adjustment coming back to America than when I got over to China last year. Really? Yeah. There's like. It's just so different here with how they're handling the whole quarantine thing. Um, when I was over in Indonesia. There was hardly any rules. Um, and then, you know, getting back here, you can't really do anything. <laughs> Pretty much stay in your house or, you know, you can go to the beach and whatnot. Um, like you can't go out at night for dinner at a lot of places. And, you know, it's slowly opening back up, but, um, when I first got back, it was, yeah, it was, it was like a reverse culture shock. Absolutely. That's funny. Um, and you're out in the Cape, right? Yep. So there's still, cause in Michigan, things are pretty opened up. Kyle's down there in Florida and they've had a bit of a gong show go on, but, uh, like things are pretty open here. So I guess Massachusetts is probably pretty strict on things, but I mean, with the dense population you got in that area and like Boston and stuff, I guess they gotta be, but it's not a lot better. Uh, like they did, a you know, this phasing into, you know, less and less laws regarding the quarantine. So, um, yeah, now, now places are open for outdoors, like dining. Um, you know, they, they limit how many people can park at the beaches to, I think a third of the parking lot. Um, Man, so you got to show up early then, huh? Yeah. I <laughs> usually go a whole lot unless yeah. it's, you know, afternoon or night. So I'm pretty good with that. I don't need to be waiting in line to park a car. For sure. For sure. So in, uh, I mean, you had an incredible career. You had picked up two NCAA championships at Boston college, which is unreal. Great school. Um, unreal style there, by the way. Cause I remember I was there seeing Iggy, the current equipment manager, and I was looking through and they had like the old team photos in the equipment room. I was just like, who is this guy with like this sick zigzag graphic, like maroon with the gold trim? I'm like, this is gross. Yeah, that was and then I, yeah, I found that. And I'm like, oh, that's John, that's Moose. So I had sent it to Burke, and I guess he sent it over to you. That was pretty sick. But uh, speeding it up to today, you were just in playing for, I don't want to butcher this, but is it Kunlun? Yeah, Kunlun. Kunlun over in the K. I mean, that's already an experience, but Berkey told me, and this is where we're going to kick this off. 
when you guys said kind of like things were shutting down and like, you know, the world was stopping for everything, you and uh, Jeremy had to rent a hotel to keep your guys' gear in Moscow. Is that right? Yeah. So we got, we were on a, supposed to be a five day road trip to Russia. Um, and the second day we got there, we found out that all the remaining home games we had were, were going to be canceled. So we ended up spending the last two months of our season in Russia at different rinks around Russia. Um, you know, obviously we had a few away games, but our home games were scattered throughout Russia, depending on which team's rink was available for us. Mm -hmm. So when we left, like, I don't know, obviously take a duffel bag with you for, for five a five day trip. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I brought. And everything else I had was back in the hotel that we were all living at. And we found out we weren't going back. So I spent the last, I mean, I guess everyone on the team did. We spent two and a half months living out of duffel bags we'd packed for five days. Um, but, you know, luckily, luckily we were able to get our stuff that was still in Beijing. Uh, we actually had a hockey ops guy that flew back to Beijing. He checked 53 bags. No way. And all of our stuff arrived in Moscow. So after our season ended, we were able to go to Moscow and get our stuff. Um, it was a disaster though, because they had to go through bags and yeah. all that stuff uh, at customs. So people's stuff was just littered all over. Ransacked. Um, but it was pretty, I think everything got through as far as I know. So did he go like in your guys's room and just pack up all your stuff and then Oh yeah. I mean, no, not the, not the guy that flew back. Uh, I think they had other guys that worked for the team do it. Yeah. And, uh, I think there were a couple of the Chinese kids who had stayed behind. Um, they didn't come on the trip, so they were able to help out too. But mm -hmm. yeah, like I had stuff. I mean, I was living in the hotel room for, I don't know, four months. So I had, I was fully moved in. Yeah. Um, so right now, yeah. When, when I decided that I was going to do a two month trip after the season, I, you know, looked into shipping, uh, you know, a bunch of my stuff home from Moscow and it, it was just so expensive that and such a hassle with customs and all that stuff that I decided that I'd, you know, do my little Asia trip and then fly back to Moscow and then fly home and just leave my stuff there in the meantime. And then obviously with everything that went on, by the time I was able to leave Indonesia, all my uh, all my stuff was in Moscow still, and I, I couldn't get back there because of their travel bans and whatnot. So right now I have, I think I have, I don't know if it's still there or not. <laughs> uh, I have two, you know, big suitcases of all my winter clothes and, you know, stuff that I bought while I was in China and Russia, and then a full set of gear. and. Yeah, it's all just sitting in a hotel, I think. I don't <laughs> That's crazy. And with the way the way Russia is, like everyone's got their stories, but man, anything could happen in that hotel room. Yeah, I mean I I'm kinda writing it up as a loss, but I'm I'm really hoping when slash if I get back there it's gonna still be there because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, 
personal belongings and you know, well, stuff that means so, you know things to you. It's not just clothes or whatever. You like, I'm sure you brought some stuff because it's a long trip and you want to feel like home, right? Yeah, and also like I bought you know a couple pieces of artwork while I was in China and Sick. You know, just odds and ends stuff that I was looking forward to bringing home with me. Yeah, um, collectibles. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, I'm I'm optimistic, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm not setting my <laughs> hopes too high. That's the, anything you know, goes yeah. over there, baby. I know. So did you? You just had extra gear at home then to train this summer. Yeah. So luckily, I have uh, I have a set of uh, Philadelphia equipment still. So I've been using all that stuff. Good deal. Yeah, that worked worked out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, big deal. I'm glad I didn't get rid of it. Yeah. Now with everything that went on obviously you did have some home games um in china and everything like that what's it like over there like in beijing are they starting to draw like is it like are people in the hockey at that point because the team's like a one-off and like you guys gotta be pretty popular at that point right or are things still kind of building it's at the very ground stages still okay um, i was impressed with how many rinks they had there though. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I did not expect to see rinks in their, uh, like malls, <laughs> shopping malls. Sounds like a little north south move. Yeah. It's just like, I just wasn't expecting, like I figured there would be, you know, a couple here and there, but every time I, you know, go into the mall and walk past the, rent there'd be little kids out there practicing um you know public skating with all that stuff so yeah it's at the ground stages but i can see it definitely taking off mm -hmm. uh, i think i think the catalyst behind that will be the winter olympics mm -hmm. um you know i think i might be a little biased but i feel like hockey is you know the biggest draw for the win winter olympics and just a little biased <laughs> But I think there is truth to that too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think once they have the Olympics there and, and people are more, you know, into it and, you know, more and more Chinese people are exposed to the game, I think it'll take off. Um, you know, I definitely think it has the potential that basketball has over there. Absolutely. Um, I think basketball was at the same exact stage as, you know, ice hockey is now. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I think it'll take the Olympics, might take the NHL, you know, pushing it more. Um, you know, who knows if that's something that'll happen. But, um, yeah, I think I think at some point in the, you know, not, not right away, but in the near future, I think it'll be a very popular sport over there. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I have a family over there in Korea. And after the Winter Olympics, well, beforehand, obviously, your country, they obviously brought in Jim Peak and they brought did a bunch of things to be ready for the Olympics because you don't want to show up and be a scrub and be a host city, right? Like, you don't want to get mollywopped and, you know, embarrassed. But after it happened, and like you said, when you get those big games and the big stage in front of kids, that's how it grows. But on the, at the end of the day, I think China might be on the cutting edge there because they're thinking like, well, these hockey parents, they got to drop these kids off. If they're not going to watch practice, they got to have something to do. So then they just go shop, right? Yeah, that's true. They figured it out. Um, so outside of that, you had already brought it up, 
but it looked like like was home base for you well i guess the question i want to ask now is did you already have an asia trip planned like postseason you were already going to do it or was this kind of like well i guess you know shit's at the fan it'd be pretty cool while i'm over here to go see asia and do a little bit of traveling or what how did that all break down for you uh i had been planning it for a couple months okay you know, it was, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment trip, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once I got there. But I definitely planned on, and you know, where I was going to go in terms of what countries, uh, what cities and whatnot. Um, you know, but other than that, like, yeah, like, I wanted, wanted to travel for two months. And then, you know, as soon as the season ended, it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't, you know, that crazy over there. Like really when I went, you know, when I decided to fly out to Bali to travel, it wasn't like, Oh, am I like running a risk of getting stuck here? Mm-hmm. It was more like, all right, like there's a virus, but it wasn't, I don't know. I just wasn't as serious at the time. Yep. Um, and I think it, you know, being in China, I felt like it. We didn't really have a, you know, that big a grasp on what the virus was. I mean, mm-hmm. it was obviously spreading around since November, but it wasn't really a public knowledge type situation. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when when it started to get real bad in China, we weren't there because we had already left. So yeah, they got you guys out. Um, so like we knew about it, yeah, but it wasn't like. I wasn't like, oh, I am running a huge risk here of going and traveling. Mm-hmm. That's sweet, though. I mean, like for the Instagram, it's just fire pictures. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a little bit of everything in uh, in Bali. It's literally like anything you could want to see, um, you know, is there, and it's it's a very beautiful place. And I was lucky to, you know, spend time there when it wasn't overrun with tourists because uh, <laughs> I was able to go and see things that I wanted to see and not have to wait in a line for an hour to get there. Um, you know, not even attempt to go somewhere because I knew it was going to be too crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, I was very lucky in that sense. And yeah, it was, I loved it there. I mean, cause I see you have the picture with one of the cathedrals. It looks like this might be like a Russian church. Like, what was one of the your favorite sculptures that you saw? And I think I saw earlier, like you were posting on stories where even in season when you were in China, you still did a lot of uh, traveling where you saw, um, not a temple, I'm trying to think of the correct word for that, but you saw some incredible things in China. What's been one of your favorite, I guess, monuments that you've seen so far? Uh, not so much a monument. I think it was, you know, a little city um in in china it was about an hour and a half uh north of shenzhen we were living in Mm -hmm. shenzhen um for three weeks i think um so i decided to go i found this random old fortress city yeah that's Uh, what it was yeah it was called depeng fortress um and i went there and i thought it was a lot more I thought it was going to be a lot more touristy than mm-hmm. 
it actually was like it was i i felt like when people were seeing me walk around they had never seen a white person before um <laughs> like it was i should have known when we got halfway there and my taxi driver pulled over and told me he couldn't drive me anymore because they have uh over there they have like districts where you can't cross into if you're a taxi driver no way it's that strict so, so yeah so he literally like we were on like the highway pretty much and he didn't speak <laughs> any english uh and obviously i don't really speak chinese yeah so <laughs> trying to tell me that i needed to get out of the, <laughs> the taxi and i had no idea i was like i didn't know if he was like trying to drop me off like to get robbed or what was going on like it was Oh no. And finally like I didn't have uh I didn't have a sim yet over there at this point because it was like right when I got there. Oh I Christ. Use, I couldn't even use Google Translate. So finally I like got his phone from him and figured it out like found the translator. Mm-hmm. And we like talked back and forth and he was like I can't bring you there because it's not in my area. So I had to Luckily he called someone like a taxi company mm-hmm. and they came and picked me up on the other like I had to like the other side of the line. <laughs> get out yeah, pretty much walk like to the other side of the street. And I was oh, like man. and this was like my first time like going off by myself. Like I'm very independent when I travel because yeah. I like to be on my own time and my own page. And it was my first time in China going off by myself and I was like I don't know where this taxi is taking me right now because you know the other one I was on like the Chinese uh, Uber it's called mm-hmm. D so I knew like I'm safe like if he takes me somewhere the app's gonna track me but this other guy picked me up and I was like all right well <laughs> I guess I'm gonna trust these guys just send it baby here it goes anything could happen and luckily he brought me to like exactly where I wanted to go and um yeah i went in it it's like this little town inside this these huge walls like 20 foot walls it's a legit fortress and it's where uh the chinese navy was started back in like the 500s or something (laughs) back Uh, in the 500s you know way back in the fives way back there so Um, they had a lot of uh history stuff um so it was a little touristy. I felt like it was more touristy for Chinese people. Okay. Um, there weren't a lot of people there to begin with. And yeah, it was just, you know, walking around. <laughs> like people were looking at me and asking me to take selfies. And No way. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I have like, I posted on my Instagram before. Like, there's that one fr- selfie at the restaurant? Yeah. So that, that was, <laughs> yeah. How much taller were you? are you then like everybody else? Cause there's gotta be a little bit of height there when you're in rural China. Yeah. Like I'm not a real tall guy, but I felt pretty tall over there. Like <laughs> you, you felt like on, a six, three NHL. <laughs> yeah, you go on the subway over there and like, I'd be the only one holding the top rail. Isn't <laughs> basketball pretty big over there though? Yeah, it is. Um, basketball is probably might be there most popular sport over baseball so are they 
Yeah, like I thought they were a big baseball too. Ah, uh, I don't. I didn't see. Well, it could also be because we were there in the winter. Mm-hmm. But like I saw a lot of basketball stuff, not a lot of baseball or hockey stuff. Okay. So do they just have like a bunch of small basketball players or? Uh, <laughs> a lot of imports. I'm, just, I'm having a hard time picturing it. I think occasionally you get a tall person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a lot of imports because you get all those from the, uh, what do you yeah, call Yeah, they it? do have a ton of imports. Because there's a thousand, ba- like, I don't know basketball, but there's all those Euro leagues and, you know, D3, D4 division leagues and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm sure they, they just bring in their tall guys. If you get, uh, like, each team has a former NBA guy that's, yeah. like, popular. Um, like, Beijing had uh, Jeremy Lin. Jay Lin. So, like, he's obviously a huge draw for them. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, like, I'm just laughing because the anxiety that probably had to hit your stomach when that guy stopped, and I could just imagine him, he's yelling in Chinese and, like, pointing probably out the door, like, hey, you got to get out, got to get out. Like, that's got to be terrifying because you're like, well, I guess this is it. This is where I'm going to have to fight, like, 10 goons because they're trying to take all my belongings and they're going to try and, like, you know, capture me or something. Yeah, it's just, like, I just didn't know what was going on. It's real tough when like neither of you speak a lick of the other's language. Yep. Like at least like once I was leaving China, I learned, you know, a handful of phrases in Chinese, Mm -hmm. but this was, this happened like this first week I was in China. So I didn't know a thing. I didn't, I knew how to say hello and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, with everybody taking pictures, did you sign any autographs? No, they. I mean, <laughs> it has nothing to do with you being an athlete. It Is has you being white. Everything to do with you being white with a red beard. <laughs> yeah, that's probably new to them, big time. <laughs> and like, like that selfie at the restaurant. That was like. There's another. <laughs> Like legit, the first weekend I was in China, I was at some outdoor street market thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of my teammates and I, one of my teammates who had, is half Chinese, mm-hmm. we were at like on the sidewalk waiting for our taxi. And I was like looking at my phone, doing something. And he started, I could hear him laughing. And I like, didn't know what he was laughing about. And I like turned around and looked up and there were like 15 middle-aged Chinese people with like legit photography cameras taking pictures of me, like in my face. Like they were national geographic over here. (laughs) Not exaggerating. They were 15 feet away from me. And, like, all of them were just, like, laughing. Like, and I was like, I don't know what's going on right now. Like, I don't know what you're going to do with those pictures. Oh, man. It was, it was wild. You're all, over, you're all over the newspaper. Front page news. <laughs> like, no, like, like are they going to go post that on their Facebook? Like, we saw a white person today? <laughs> Look what we saw. There's some tour guide walking around. And to your right, you will see 5'11", John, the moose, muse here eating lunch <laughs> I, I like i had enough time to take my phone out and video the people while they were doing it what a spectacle man that's incredible 
Um, so outside of that, obviously you got to go to some beautiful parts, which was Bali, correct? Mainly. Yeah. Bali. Like, it seemed like you picked up a crew too. Like you guys were all just like a bunch of like travelers vibing out, huh? Yeah. So when I got down there, um, there was another, one of my teammates was down there with his family. He had moved his family there. Oh, perfect. China. So I spent, you know, four or five days with them and then I kind of, went off and did my own thing. Um, and I ended up, it's, I didn't realize, I don't know if it's like this in a lot of countries in Southeast Asia, but in Bali, there's a ton of solo travelers. So everywhere you go, you know, people are, you know, trying to meet other people and it was really easy to meet a group of people, um, that was down there, like, cause everyone was in the same situation. So, uh, yeah, I, by the time I left, I had a, you know, there was a group of probably about 10 of us that had been together for three months, maybe at the same resort that we were staying at. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of great people. The locals down there are awesome. Um, a lot of awesome tourists as well. Um, it was just all around. No, I mean, that's really cool. It's funny like the experience you had is kind of like that's something I've always dreamed of doing, you know, classic like college backpack it, travel, see a bunch of places, run solo so you can run on your own schedule. But I had a friend, he did Peace Corps in Africa, but then he ended up meeting a girl. She ended up extending a tenure and going to like, uh, I think it was Thailand. And they did a little bit of that where he like traveled to Cambodia, backpacked it. And I have another friend who was an equipment manager in the NA for a little bit in the USHL recently retired equipment manager but uh he's done the same thing where you just backpack and when you stay at like hostels or resorts or wherever these spots are going you connect with everybody else because they're on the same page so it's not like where you're walking up to a group of five people that are already friends it's like everyone's here for the same reason so you can connect already on those vibes and uh the ideas that we're here to travel and kind of experience different things so that's awesome man but what was uh i mean the pictures from bali are like incredible the monkeys zip lining you know, that giant trophy fish, what was one of your favorite memories from there? Uh, probably fishing. Um, it was like probably the thing that I did that was most like, you know, what the locals do. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out on this tiny little banana boat that was legit, like just big enough for the three of us. You look like, like width-wise, shoulder-to-shoulder, you might be wider than that boat. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like, smaller. No, probably the same size as a canoe. <laughs> it, it, was, it was wild. And they stick a motor right on the back of it and put a couple stabilizers off the side. And <laughs> Just buzz around. You buzz around and catch those fish that are strongest fish I've ever <laughs> seen. Now, like, I'm not a huge fishing guy, but the art you got in the pole here, like, it looked like you were really ripping it in there, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's a big fight. It was. It was It was probably one of the most fun fish I've ever caught, types of fish. And you've been, you're a pretty big fisher, fisherman, it looks like. Like, you've, you've done a, your fair share out there on the coast and stuff, catching some big guys. Yeah. Uh, fishing, I mean, obviously, growing up on the Cape, um, you know, Comes you're naturally <laughs> yeah, you're right around the corner from the ocean or a pond. So, yeah, uh, 
I grew up fishing, you know, from as as far back as I can remember. Absolutely. What uh, like do you keep that and eat it, or is that something you like? You catch, take the photo, and you throw back. Uh, we didn't keep it. Um, it was kind of crazy, actually. Uh, once we got in the boat, he, the guy, you know, in his broken English, said we were going to release it and asked if I wanted to go in the water with it. And I was like, you know, I never like fishing from a boat. I've never jumped in the water with a fish when you're releasing it. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the side of the boat and release it. Um, so I was like, in the water? Like, quite, like I thought he would, didn't know what he was saying in English. And yeah. he was like, yeah, like in, in the reef. We go to the reef and jump in the water with the fish. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So it was kind of cool. Like I, we, you know, went over to the reef, jumped in the water and I held the fish until it was, you know, ready to swim away on its own. Um, Kyle, Kyle, check your Instagram. I just DM'd you the clip. Like, it's actually incredible. Did you bring like GoPros and stuff? Like, did you have a bunch of equipment you were ready to like, I want to document everything? Yeah. So, uh, one of the best things about living in China is that you can get all the <laughs> electronics over there for a fraction of the price. So one, I, one tenth the price. I yeah, I ended up coming home with a nice camera, a GoPro, and a drone. No way. Yeah, so I was able to. Well, did you come home with it, or is it in Moscow still? No, no, no I still I have all that stuff. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, I I would bring all that stuff with me when I would go to Russia. Just yeah. you made sure to secure the bag there. Yeah, just in case I saw anything interesting well, i'm sure you see interesting shit you have any all the time. you gotta have like a <laughs> vlog channel i have a crazy amount of videos that i don't really know what to do with <laughs> you got dude you gotta start the vlog we're gonna start your own vlog here moose <laughs> like i yeah i took you know probably a few hours worth of video while i was there and then i've taken like you know since i got to china I, and until i got home i took probably like 1500 pictures so oh, i have yeah man i took a lot of stuff like and it's people ask how to you know how to describe something in russia or china and i ended up getting you know that video and photography equipment because people were asking and i was seeing things and i was like I have no idea how to describe what I'm seeing right now. Like I need to show, like you can only look at it. Yeah. Understand. Cause like, it's just like so different over there from what it is here in America or Canada. Um, it's just like a different, like for the good and bad. Like I saw some <laughs> incredible stuff, like, but there's some things I'm like, yeah, I, Glad I saw that, but I'll be okay never seeing it again. Yeah, that's okay. That's a one-time experience thing. We'll check that one off the list. Yeah. See you later. Um, yeah, I mean, that's unreal. We're going to have to set you up with your own vlog, get you a YouTube channel, get you, uh, what do they call it when they get paid? Like you get those little endorsements and stuff? Hell yeah. We got a little side uh, side thing going on. How was, uh, how was surfing? Is that your first time? Yeah, it was my first time surfing. How yeah. incredible was that? It was really cool. Uh, I wanted to do it for a while and I felt like, you know, Bali is 
I think known as one of the best surf spots in the world. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if I was going to be there for four months, then should probably try surfing before I leave. Are you, uh, you going to grow out the hair and everything? Start rocking board shorts all the time now? No, I don't think so. I, I grew my hair out the entire time I was there. And as soon as I got out of my little quarantine back home, went and got my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> Had enough of that, huh? No more junior flow days. No. What, uh, I mean, you know, this is coming up, but was it a 17 hour sleeve? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went in, he did 10 hours one day and seven hours the next day and he was done. Well, like was, I mean, the arm, some parts of the arm, like I know around the elbow and like sensitive areas, I don't know how far you went and close to the armpit, but it gets sensitive and you can feel it more. I've got a couple where it's not as bad, but did you get a lot of pain going through that? I mean, 10 and 10 and seven hours is a lot to sit in the chair and just take the needle. Yeah, it was, uh, I got like right up in the armpit. So that was pretty miserable. Like the inside of the the bicep was pretty bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, like all around the elbow, like inside of the elbow, like outside that was, I was sweating a lot when he was doing that. So were you were you stuck in Bali when you got that done then? Yeah. Yeah, I guess technically I was stuck because they Indonesia grounded all uh, all international domestic flights for I think a month or a month and a half. Yeah. Wow. So technically I was stuck there, um, but I didn't really have plans to come home until you know june anyways just because my i guess i was trying to get home middle of may um so i ended up getting stuck there for an extra month but i don't know how i saw it i wasn't really stuck because i i was glad i was there yeah Um, can't be stuck on the beach man it's tough to be stuck on the beach (laughs) it's yeah it was just like something new to do every single day and like I didn't really look at it as being stuck and I guess I'm also pretty mellow when it comes to that stuff like I went on this trip not I I you know booked a booked a hostel you know before I got on my flight from Moscow to Bali so like, I was pretty <laughs> I was pretty just go with the flow and um I was lucky to, yeah, I was lucky to get stranded there, I guess. It's a good spot, man. I got to ask too, I forgot to ask. Well, I'll ask that after because I want to know about the tattoo. Were you, were you, would you have ever gotten a tattoo before this trip? And like, was this kind of like a monument to like really like top it off and say, this is how we're going to remember this? Or were you, have you always been thought, thinking about one? Yeah, it's definitely uh, something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, I've been telling it to my mom for about three years, and I think <laughs> she's it got, probably not too happy, huh? But uh, I think it got to a point where she was just like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm sure you will." Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I knew what I wanted. Um, it's not really, um, you know, a, a Bali thing. It's mm-hmm. all, it's all Cape Cod stuff and things that are meaningful to me mm-hmm. and my family. Um. So, yeah, I knew exactly what I wanted and 
wanted it for a while. So uh, I was lucky to find a, a great tattoo artist down there. And uh, we sat down and designed it one day. And then two days later, I went in and he started doing it. Now, I mean, it's like getting tattoos. It's for those that have them, they know if you don't, you don't. The thing is, you got to find someone that's, well, one, clean, like cleanliness is a huge thing, but two, like you got to find someone that's legit. And in the U.S., you have recommendations. Your friends have been to tattoo shops. They have ink done by this guy, that guy, this artist. So it's easy to get the recommendation. But when you're over there, man, like it's got to be a little sketchy because you got to find the right guy that if you're doing a full sleeve, like they got to be legit, right? Yeah. I, you know, obviously I did a lot of research on that because last thing I needed was to come home with stick figures, giant <laughs> blob of whatever on my arm. Um, so I, I actually found my guy on Instagram. Um, tattooing is huge in Bali. Oh, really? Like tattoo shop on every corner. Okay. It's really? Dunkin' Donuts here. That's what. That's <laughs> what so, I mean, my first thought was like, what? I don't even know what language do they speak over there? Uh, Bahasa. So it's there. There's, this is kind of confusing. They have an Indonesian language, um, which is what everyone can speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the different, there's, you know, thousands of different islands in Indonesia. And the, there's like, four other languages depending on which island you live on so somebody that lives in bali or is from bali can't really speak with somebody that lives in java which is at their like closest points is like a mile away (laughs) so like was that was that difficult to go over a design and all the detail or Uh, luckily so my guy spoke good english yeah um so i was like comfortable going over everything with him. And um, we literally like pretty much took pictures of my arm and then Photoshop stuff onto the picture to see what the design would look like. Tattoos in 2020, baby. It can't be simpler than that. <laughs> I didn't under, I thought he was going to like draw it out for me. Yeah. And, like most people do, right? Like you get the drawing and you see it and everything like that. Yeah. He just literally grabbed his iPad and was like, let me see your arm. Done. <laughs> did it, and yeah, I was like, "All right, that's what I want." Sweet man. Um, but what I wanted to ask too, I can't forget. Like, you did a bunch of hiking in the volcanoes. Like, what's the, what are the jungles? Like, you could, it's safe to call them jungles out there, right? Yeah, it's when I was like earlier when I was saying that Bali has everything. It's it's got the ocean, it's got volcanoes, it's got jungle, it's got waterfalls. Like, there's like there's like major like regular cities yeah everything um so yeah like going through the jungle parts um so many monkeys like <laughs> you, so when you're there you, you pretty much get around uh on motorbikes like 150 cc motorbikes yep so like i rented a motorbike for 3 months while i was there so when we would go on little road trips we had a we had a home base um in changu which is south like southern part of the island so we stayed at this resort that was our home base and then every like two weekends we'd go off somewhere else on the island 
Um, so in order to get there, you take your motorbike and some places like we stayed on, on like the inside of the volcano pretty much. Um, and we literally drove around the top ring of the volcano on our motorbikes. And, you know, I, That's I have crazy. that and like the, the roads are like just big enough for a motorbike to go through. <laughs> so it was like, it was very cool exploring in that sense. It was, you know, I'd be lying if there were weren't a couple times where I was like, I don't know if I'm like my bike's making it through this. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a little sketchy, but yeah, it was like going through the, going through the jungle areas, you know, when you ride down the roads, there's, there's areas where so many, so many monkeys, um, <laughs> because they're just like sitting on the side of the road and people are like throwing food out their car windows to, them, to feed them. them. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously that the picture and video of the monkeys, um, that was at a monkey forest, like a little sanctuary thing, um, where there's a ton of, you know, wild, wild monkeys. And they like, if you have anything on you, they come and try to take it from you. Like, are you talking like phone, wallet, keys, anything? Back just food. They will go in your back, like they'll unzip your backpack. So like I went in with a couple other people and one of them had a big water bottle and I am not exaggerating within five seconds of walking inside of this place, a monkey ran over, grabbed it out of his hand and started hissing at him. Is now. (laughs) And we were not getting that back. Yeah, we were like, yes, you're out of that water. And we literally watched the thing hold the bottle on the like ground. It was a big bottle, so it couldn't hold it you know, upright. Mm-hmm. He just held it on the ground, spill, uh, spun the cap off, and just started drinking out of it. And I was like, "Where? Like, what's going on right now? Hey, can, can I get a waterfall over here? <laughs> and, yeah, and they, you know, they just walk around that place and like, yeah, if you have stuff in your hands they come over and try to take it from you um like backpacks they open like those the monkeys that were on me i was just standing there and like there were 15 people around me and we were all watching these monkeys climb up this tree and jump off into a pond and there were like 10 monkeys doing it and like they were living the dream man probably like 30 feet down to the water and they were just running up and then all of a sudden two of them ran past the tree and like climbed right up my arms. (laughs) Just sending it, man. That's incredible. Um, so quick, two questions. One, like how I saw some of the Bali clubs, like those, some of those spots looked unreal. What was that like? I mean, is it pretty comparable to like Vegas and stuff? Uh, tell you the truth. I've only been to Vegas once and it was my rookie year during the playoffs. So (laughs) really, (laughs) I didn't really get the full experience of it. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, it's pretty legit. There's, there's beach clubs all over the place. Um, and then you have nightclubs as well. And a lot of, you know, beach bars and there's a good mix. You know, if you want to go to a club, there's clubs. If you want to go, you know, chill out at a bar, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was 
like no matter what night, like you can find something to do or what day. So I think in that sense, it is like Vegas. Like people are yeah. there to party too. Do they go pretty hard there? Yeah, I mean, things don't close until ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't beat it. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, you'd go, you know, you'd go out to, you know, a bar or a club that would shut down at 3 a.m. And then you'd walk down to the beach and there were beach bars that would stay open all, all night. Just so keep that, it going. Keep it going, baby. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty, you know, pretty crazy to see. Like, it was, I guess, you know, that's how the locals make their money off. Yeah. And saw tourism and partying and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And there's, there are a lot of tourists down there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then lastly here, I know on some of the stories I saw you post some wild foods. What was the, might be the grossest thing you looked at and then you ate it, but liked it. But liked it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like there's many options there. Huh? Uh, that's a tough question. I will say, all right. I don't know if I like this, but it was, it was okay. It was like, doable. Like I would eat it again if I if it was there. Okay. Uh, I was at some hot pot restaurant, so I don't know if everyone's gonna know what hot pot is. You kind of you go and they there's a a pot in the middle of your table, and they bring. You know, you order a couple different broths for your mm -hmm. food and they bring it over and put it in the hot pot, which is just boiling water. And then you order off the menu what you want them to bring to you. So, so you order meats and veggies and whatever else is on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring it over and you put it in the, you know, your broth that you got and cook it and then you eat it. So I went one night to dinner at this hot pot place. Or yeah, hot pot place. And the menu was completely in Chinese. So I couldn't, I couldn't order. So the person I was with ordered. And when it came out, I asked, like, Oh, like what? Like what is this? What is this? And I was told what everything was, and then there was one thing that I was not told what it was. So I cooked it, and I thought it was like a sea urchin. Okay. It looked like the skin of a sea urchin. Okay. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like I've heard of people eating that. Like I'll try it. So I ate it, and then after, I was told that it was definitely not sea urgent. It was the stomach of cow. Of cow? Yeah. Oh, so my like, God. Like, it was, like, rubbery. It was, like, a rubbery, like, lining of the oh, stomach. Oh, no. So, like, yeah, that was probably the – it wasn't that bad because, like, the spices in the broth make it taste like something. Mm -hmm. If you just cook it and eat it without flavoring it, it would just taste Rubber. like probably. When they bring that out to you, like you're cooking it yourself, right? Oh yeah. So what is it? What does that look like when they bring it to you raw? Like the, it. All the food is that. So 
it actually looks really appetizing because they you know, slice everything up and like lay it out on a platter. Yeah. So it looks like it looks nice, um, but yeah, like the stomach lining was it was cut up into squares and like laid out, and it I don't know it looked like everything else. So that's but, too funny, yeah. man. So they, they bamboozled you in uh, eating uh, cow stomach. Yeah, it wasn't that bad though. Like, like chicken feet? No. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> well, okay, last question then. What was the grossest thing that you tried that you just absolutely hated? Uh, probably. Crickets? No, they're not. A lot of those insects just taste like unpopped popcorn kernels. Oh. Really? There's no like flavor to it. It's just like a crunchy, like I didn't eat the starfish or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're doing with that. Um, probably, have, probably chicken feet. Not a big fan of that. Gross. Yeah, I like any, any kind of feet just sounds gross. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and they love it. That's like their street food. Yeah, that's popular. Like, it's all like, like you go buy like those street carts mm -hmm. that you know in in Boston they have sausages and hot dogs. Yeah. China they have chicken feet that are all different flavored. Chicken feet here. Get your chicken feet here. Just so like, and I mean, people love it there. I just wasn't. Yeah, that like. It's just like so much cartilage. It's kind of like it's weird. Yeah. Crunchy, a little chewy, a little bit of rubberness to it. But, uh, well, Moose, I want to start off. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Um, glad to see you made it back safe. You know, that's half the battle of coming back from uh, China, Russia, and Bali. <laughs> Very true. I'm glad I got back here in one piece. That's for sure. That's all that matters. So I want to wish you luck moving forward. And uh, do you have a ship out date? No, I don't know what's going on right now. So. Okay. Uh, well, keep us posted, man. We're excited to see what happens. These are situations, so we'll see. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks again for the time, buddy, and be safe, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? Yeah, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see. Yeah, ya. thanks for hopping on. And another big thank you to John the Moose Muse for uh, hopping on and just giving us a little insight on all his travels. Like, I got to find a way. I mean, I'm going to wait a couple of years till things really, you know, settle down a little bit, but... I'd love to get to Bali and go out and see those monkeys and go see the volcanoes and just rip around, maybe catch a fish. I'm not great at fishing, but you know what? Uh, I'll figure it out. So, um, Kyle, finishing thoughts. Yeah, it was great to have him on. Um, he's a, he's an East coaster like you. Yeah. He also, we didn't really get too into it, but he's had some pretty sweet setups over the years. I remember, um, seeing his, uh, Americans set up, uh, when he was playing out there for, I think that's Buffalo's AHL team. Yep. Um, and they had like, he got the stars on them. They were, they were pretty sweet. So over the years and his, his checkers set up, I think he had the icebergs and gross. So Always like mint style. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then even his new setup, I think I saw, uh, a picture of him in Russia or China where it's like the, he did like a solid base on the V9. Mm, it wasn't the v9 so, no v, v no it would yeah it would have been maybe
he definitely that's definitely what I saw, but oh, okay. Anyways, well, the discrepancies. Let me, let me look. Let me look real quick while okay. we're while we're on. Nope, you're right. That would have been the VE eight. So the only que- the only discrepancy I have with that and red and yellow teams is I hate ketchup and mustard. Like the look is so bad. It's McDonald's. I don't like it either. But uh, it's a tough look. I mean, but so what's your, your wait, wait, it doesn't while, matter. Well, while we're on it, like what's your solution? Like if your team is red and yellow, what do you do? No, I mean you have to. That's the issue. You do. I would do white white base with a little bit of red but i like i hate mixing that red and yellow together yeah i mean it's tough yeah way she goes but with that being said look out for next week we're gonna have another hot one lined up we uh we're really excited about this one but if you're still listening make sure you follow like subscribe rate and uh you know send us a little love on the instagrams drop a couple comments let us know how we're doing all right Uh, Until next week, Kyle, I'll see you soon. See you then.